Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is Leslie Sullivan with the lovely podcast The Endurance of Labor Laws. I am your lovely host. You can call in or email in and now you can actually message me on my website with my podcast. Amen. So it's growing and it's going really well in just a short amount of time. So I guess glory to God. That's wonderful. I love it. So um you can call in at 405 3141119 my email address is leslie2018sullivan at gmail.com and that is l e s l e y 2018 sullivan s u l l i v a n at gmail.com and if you go to my podcast website there is a link there or a button you can push to do contact and it will send me an email and i can read your request or question on air Um, you know, if you don't want your name mentioned, just put anonymous or hey, this is just a general question, whatever the case may be. But also, if you would like to be on the show, also message me. I think that would be great. I I love meeting new people, hearing new ideas, and it's just good to have fellowship with other people. I mean, that's kind of what mankind is about in our society. So it's it's good to get to know people. So today, I wanted to go over some of the labor unions that are in the United States. And this is really fascinating because I did not realize there were so many unions. But when I think about all the different types of industries within the United States, I'm not surprised by it. But it's just really neat to see how many members they have and when these unions started. Because when they start, it's really fascinating to me because it's typically at a a particular point in time when something needed to be changed and people came together. to make things better. And that is always a positive thing. I love that. I love it when people want to make a positive change and do it the right way and push forward into the future with good intentions. I love that. So I'm going to read some of these uh labor unions off. And this is a list of labor unions in the United States. And I'm going to read uh the largest ones right now. First up, so the first one is the National Education Association of the United States. This was established in 1857. They have a little over 3 million members. That's really neat. And for the description, it says this is for public school employees, including but not limited to teachers, education support professionals, cafeteria workers, bus drivers, guidance counselors, nurses, administrative assistants, secretaries, psychologists, and librarians. I did not know all that. The next one is the Service Employees International Union. This one started in 1921. Wow, that's awesome. During the Roaring Twenties, that that is a good thing. And they have 1.9, a little over 1.9 million members. And the description it says it includes RNs, which are registered nurses, professional, technical, and non-professional healthcare workers, public employees, janitorial, and security employees. Then the next one. is the American Federation of State, County and Municipal Employees. This was started in 1932. They have a little over 1.4 million members. And for the description it says these are employees of state, county and municipal governments. That is awesome. The next union is called Teamsters. I had heard of that word before, but I didn't really know what it meant. So this is really good to know some of this. Cuz I heard about Teamsters in high school cuz it's like we would help people raise money and things like that. 
and no one had a good explanation for me of what it was, but this makes way more sense. And plus, you know, when I was in high school, the internet wasn't as lucrative with information as it is now. And it was kind of like when a kid or a teenager asks a question, it's like you're not always taken seriously, and they're not always sure why you're asking a question. So, and you know, maybe some adults didn't really know how to properly explain explain it, but here it is. So, Teamsters, uh, this union was established in 1903, so right around the turn of the century. Amen. And they have 1.4 million members, and the full name of their union is called International Brotherhood of Teamsters. And it lists truck, truck drivers, warehouse workers, and miscellaneous trades. I'm not sure what all miscellaneous trades includes because there's a whole bunch of trades out there, and a lot of trades already have their own unions. So it made me wonder if you can be a part of more than one union. I don't know. That would be really interesting to research that and to figure that one out because I've never been in a union. I think it would be great to be in one. It's just I've personally never worked at a job. Where there was a union, or I wasn't made aware that there was a union. So it kind of it really is knowledge is power, and it protects you. The next union is the United Food and Commercial Workers. This one was established in 1979. They have 1.3 million uh, members, and the description is retail store and distribution employees. The, now this one I'd heard of. The next union is United Auto Workers. They, uh, this one was established in 1935. They have 990,000 members, and their description is aerospace and agricultural implement workers of America, automobile, truck, farm equipment, and construction equipment manufacturing workers. Now, the reason why I'm aware of United Auto Workers Union is because of some of the Scandals that they've had in regards to to their union, and I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way, but scandals do tend to be bad. But there was, I guess, a mismanagement of monies, and they were trying to figure out how to handle that. And then I'm trying to remember if it was this union or another union that got a bailout of some sort, and it really irritated a lot of people. So there was something to do with that union. I just remember that name, United Auto Workers. But I think it's really neat that it started in 1935, because during that time, cars were not、uh, bought by everybody and just anybody back then. Because you have to remember, the automobile used to be considered a luxury purchase, even just a plain Jane basic automobile. It was not widely available to the public because it was so expensive. And also, I can speak from the point of view of living in Oklahoma. You know, we had a lot of dirt roads and gravel roads back then, in the 30s. And you know, what we need to remember about in history is that the United States, we did not all have really good infrastructure located all throughout the United States. And so, not all of us had paved roads. And if you did not have really nice roads, you would just basically ruin the vehicle that you purchased. So, you know. Like for example, Oklahoma used to be predominantly farming as well as oil and gas, so it, they were more concerned about purchasing、um, farming equipment and kind of industrial equipment as opposed to just like a car or something like that. And I don't know if this is going to come up in the background, but、um, I'm in my apartment, and sometimes the pipes make really loud noises. So if there was like a loud rushing water sound. That is because I'm on the bottom floor of a three-story apartment building, 
And sometimes when stuff's going on above me with the pipes, like if they're running a dishwasher, it sounds like a flood. So if you heard that, congratulations. If not, also congratulations. You missed something that kind of startled me while I'm sitting on my sofa doing this podcast. <laughs> anyway, um, the next union is United Steelworkers. I've heard of this one. And this one was established in 1942. They have a little over 860,000 members. And that pinging... just FYI is text messages and other things that I'm receiving from other people so I'm going to put my to turn it to do not disturb for this podcast I apologize so let me go back to the recording here and finish up with this or continue this so we're on United Steel Workers established in 1942 has a little over 860,000 members and it's for steel mill workers and related trades and the reason why I'm aware of this one is because Um in a lot of farming communities they have a lot of mill workers and that's M I L L and there are different types of factories and different types of mills like for example in the small town it was a small town when I was growing up and the small town I was raised in we had a a type of flour mill if I'm not mistaken it hasn't been used for years but it's located right next door I mean like literally right next door to the railroad tracks that go through on Main Street. And um you know this is like back in the day when the way that people got to the city if they could not afford an automobile was they took the train. Most people took public transportation. That was how they did it. If they didn't have a horse and buggy, you know, they did public transport and this is before buses were widely available. So if anything trains were the major mode of transportation back in the day. before automobiles and i would say before automobiles i would say more people took trolleys and buses because again what were the average wages of people you know cuz the automobile was considered again a luxury item so someone that's a, a mill worker more than likely could never afford an automobile unless they owned their own mill factory that kind of thing so the next union is the american federation of teachers i've heard of this one this one was established in 1916 has a little over 820,000 members and this applies to public school teachers, RNs, professional, technical and non-professional healthcare workers. I'm kind of surprised at that description with the technical and non-professional healthcare workers because it's a American Federation of Teachers unless they're like a nurse or some kind of healthcare worker that they teach those classes. that are being taught to doctors and nurses nurses and healthcare workers that kind of thing. But I remember the teachers union was such a problem when I was in high school and I don't mean that negatively, it's just what it was because there was something going on um in the state of Oklahoma back then where the teachers union was mismanaging the money for teachers to retire. and teachers were getting really upset because you know they pay all these dues and they're part of a union and then when they get to retirement the money's aren't there or the money that they were promised isn't there anymore and so teachers wanted to raise raise wages they wanted more pay i don't blame them at all for that but it needs to be realistic you know for your economy for your market for your state things of that nature and what i didn't like about unions in regards to the teachers union and this is just my first impression of unions as as a really young person in high school and in middle school 
My first impression of unions was it's something that adults join just to get really pissed off at stuff and not show up to work, but yet it's expect to get paid. That was my perception of it. Mind you, I didn't know everything behind the scenes. So I learned way more about it as an adult as opposed to as a teenager, but when I was a teenager and in middle school as a teeny bopper, it really bugged the students when their teacher just wouldn't show up to work. Cuz most of the time when you don't show up to work, you get fired. Well, these teachers did not get fired because they're in a union. But what sucked was that we had all these substitute teachers that had to come in and teach us. And then we got behind in our classwork. And some of that stuff affected our grades. Well, there were some students that they were really banking on um a scholarship to help them get into college. So when these teachers didn't show up to work because they're throwing a hissy fit about their pay and their retirement funds, it actually directly impacted the kids that they were supposed to help get an education. So it really bugged us when we were younger. Now that I'm older, I get it. I just wish it had been done differently because I tell you what, when those teachers when they got together and they were going to boycott or what's it called? Not picket, but when they don't show up, I forget the word, it escapes me at the moment, but You know these teachers they would be griping about it out in the hallways as we're pa- passing by walking to our class and we just got sick of listening to it as kids because we needed help with our schoolwork we needed help being taught stuff and they were so busy you know marching for their cause that they forgot about the students it was it was really kind of disheartening but as an adult I know now why they were so pissed off and they they truly felt like there was no other recourse because they had been speaking up and speaking up and speaking up about what was going on with their union and their monies and their retirement fund and things like that and it's like nobody wanted to listen to them because again they viewed them as just these low-paid workers most of them were women because for some stupid you know reason of so many people in these hick states think that only women should be teachers because they're not mentally incompetent to be anything else which is a complete lie but you know so whenever a woman complains it's like oh she's just hormonal she has ovaries well guess what we had quite a few male teachers and they weren't all gay i think we only had like one or two gay teachers at that time and plus you could never come out being gay back then but um if you were a teacher and being around kids no way could you come out being gay uh for fear of losing your job or being run out of town or being beaten that kind of thing which was always horrible but um it it was one of those things that you know these women and the other teachers the men had had enough and what was nice about our school district was that we had quite a few guys quite a few men that were teachers because we had a lot of different sports teams so they spoke up and said hey this isn't just about the pay for women it's about the pay for everybody regardless of whether you're male or female like how are we supposed to provide for our families right now if we don't have enough pay and then how are we supposed to provide for ourselves and our family when we retire if those monies aren't there but yet as a union you're saying that it's going to be there and they were you trying to use some special type of banking system or bank account or some kind of trust fund and it it just didn't work out very well And so I remember that scandal uh, back in the day and you know teachers they they threw another hissy fit not too many years ago and they walked out and they actually marched to the capital. And again, I don't blame them on this. I really do not. And if anything, I think the students were for them. They were like, "Hey, yes, this is a problem." Because here's the thing, back in the day, 
adults didn't really tell us what was going on. But now information is more readily available. So I think that when adults do the right thing and they explain things to the kids, explain things to the high schoolers and the teeny boppers, you give them a chance to understand why you're doing what you're doing. You'd be surprised how many students and how many kids were on the side of those teachers because they realized that something was wrong and what was being done to the teachers was not appropriate and wrong. It was just it was really interesting to see this last uh walkout, I don't know what you call it, boycott, I forget the word, but um because I know a teacher that um we we we've become kind of good friends like we're acquaintances. And I don't mean like kind of good friends in a bad way. It's just like sometimes we see each other, you know, go out for coffee and sometimes we don't, but you know, we have two totally different lifestyles and whatnot. But, you know, when I do catch up with her, you know, I kind of ask her, "Hey, how are things going with the teachers union? How's your job?" because I want to know, is everything all right? Because that will affect how I vote because if I know something's not going right for this teacher that I know, I bet it's affecting all of them. Well, what had happened this last time they threw a hissy fit? And it was a pretty big hissy fit, but it was a a, a righteous hissy fit, kind of like a righteous kind of anger. And uh, what happened was the teachers were like, "We want more pay." I agree with them. They should be paid more. And but not administrators. If you remember in the one of the previous podcasts, I was talking about how when you see that word administrator, it's basically a professional paper pusher that gets paid a lot of money to do absolutely nothing. and they make a lot of money when other people do not kind of thing. Well, what happened was the teachers were complaining about their pay again because their pay was not keeping up with inflation. And I don't blame them on on that. I mean, I would be irritated about that as well. So they wanted to have a pay increase. Well, you know, the majority of Oklahoma was for that. You know, especially the people I talked to, we were for the pay increase. And you know, I am a Republican. I'm I'm not for high taxation. I'm not for voting in all these bonds or whatever you call it like if they're trying to raise money for a new school what they try and do is they try and pass a bond and what sucks about passing those bonds this is a side note whenever they pass those bonds it's very difficult to get them to stop that bond once they get all the money that they need so they keep voting in all these bonds and um just accumulating all this cash and then not really being honest with people about hey we we've reached the amount we need we no longer need to collect money for this so what they do is they just kind of have all these little pet projects that they add on and have all these different slush funds which technically is not legal it's actually fraudulent um uh what's it called fraudulent money allocation is what it called is what's called uh, but they never get called out on it because they 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 try and attach something that everybody would agree with. Oh, we got to do this for the kids. I can't stand that phrase because I'm like, oh, so adults don't matter. Like I'm just like think about what you're saying and realize that when someone's just using your feelings against you and for money, that's a big red flag. But anyway, back to the main point here of this story, um of what happened. So our teachers again were not being paid enough to keep up with inflation and there was something else going on with their retirement stuff as well. So, um it was brought to the ballot. um to vote to give them a pay increase and um we were initially all for it but then what came out with that um was these lawmakers and these people that try to use the taxpayers for their personal slush fund they said that teachers were going to get a pay raise with this I don't know if you can see a tax increase or a bond issue. I can't remember the specifics cuz it's kind of two totally different things but at the same time it's similar. Um 
they initially were saying that the monies were going to go towards teachers getting a pay raise. You know, like at our public schools, things like that, like, you know, pre-K to 12, maybe some college professors, but it's predominantly for our major school systems, not colleges and not higher ed. Well, then we find out, excuse me, before going into vote, that these monies are not predominantly going to go to teachers the teachers that we think they're going to get a pay raise it's not going to the public school system it's not going to the teachers like K through 12 or whatever or pre-K through 12 it's being allocated to these universities as a slush fund and what really pissed people off about this and what really sucked was that these colleges i don't think people realize these colleges they already get and this is across the United States this isn't just in Oklahoma but colleges already get tax dollars from federal grants from like Pell grants and things like that and that's that's not even including private donations from like millionaires and billionaires and things like that so these universities are not broke they're not poor and if they are they're just feeding off the trough because they're acting like hogs well that's what happened so i personally voted no against giving teachers more pay on that particular bill or thing that was on the ballot because it was not going to go where it was supposed to go and even teachers were like vote no on this because someone else hijacked their their not their calling but hijacked what they wanted done and so the monies were not going to go to the people that it was supposed to go to it was going to go towards all these universities that don't need this money. Like here's what people don't understand about universities. They make so much money it's unbelievable. It's a slush fund. It really is. Does it cost money to go to school? Yes, but it used to be cheaper. It used to be affordable to go to school. To go to college, I should say. Now it's not so much affordable and that's why we have all this student loan debt, which again, the colleges are making money off of that. and also all these different lenders that are uh, promoting student loans they are making bank off of other people's debt and making money off of young people and then these young people they're not always able to find a job that they need to pay off their debts and then they wonder why we have all this debt in regards to student loans and why some people it takes them years to get ahead if they ever do because their student loans are just so astronomical it doesn't make sense well We didn't want our tax dollars going towards yet another slush fund with the universities. And what I was going to say was that, you know, universities, they get federal tax dollars. So, whatever monies are being taken out of your paycheck every week, every month, quarter, however often you get paid, you're basically already paying for these colleges because your tax dollars are being taken out of your check, which should happen. You should pay taxes, but the federal government via the Department of Education which I don't always have a very high opinion of now because of the stuff that they have pulled and screwing teachers over or screwing them out of their pay and trying to focus on these administrative roles and just protecting these lazy ruthless worthless bureaucrats that don't care to lift a finger for anybody except themselves you know your tax dollars are going towards that that's what made it so frustrating for us here in Oklahoma because We actually could have a really awesome public school system. Our public school system is not as bad as other states, but it could be better. But the reason why it's not better 
is because it's like the citizens try and do what's right. Like we're trying to help our teachers get paid better wages. But then some other group within the Department of Education or education world, so to speak, will get involved in our politics and try and hijack any and all monies that need to go where we say they need to go and they just want the money for themselves. And it's ridiculous. And what people don't know is that with your tax dollars that are taken out of your federal uh taxes um it does go towards universities but it also goes towards um like these research projects and stuff and I'm all for research but you know some research needs to be funded by other people besides the taxpayers like we've got other things we need to focus on like a lot of these research companies they have money and they have donors So, you know, you've got these research companies that they already make a lot of money and we're talking millions if not billions of dollars. So, why are they receiving any of our federal tax dollars if they already have lucrative income? See, that that's what I don't understand about our federal government. And plus, this has been going on regardless of whether it's a Democrat or Republican in office. That that's what bugs me about this is that you you've got these special interest groups that manipulate are are people that hold um public office regardless of whether they're democrat or republican and they somehow worm their way into convincing someone to allocate public funds and that's what public funds are they are your tax dollars that are taken out of your paycheck every time you get paid and those wages are taken out it's going towards some of these people that already have a lot of money and they just want to have a slush fund to do so-called research but yet we never hear hardly ever hear the results of this research i mean it it's ridiculous and it's like you know if someone wants to research something they need to find their own funds they should not be relying on the federal government and we the people are the federal government we elect our fellow citizens to serve in those public offices but we the people are the federal government so we should have a say so on that stuff and that's not coming from a oh anti government or you know anti union kind of thinking cuz i'm not i'm actually pro government and pro union but there needs to be a balance and there needs to be accountability because if there's not a balance and if there's not accountability then you you've lost accountability it's really sad and then you're not going to know what your right hand is doing compared to your left hand and that's very dangerous to run a country that way much less a business but when you're dealing with uh tax dollars, public tax dollars, public funds, there is a greater responsibility to do what's right. Everybody should always do what's right, but when you're dealing with public funds, you're typically dealing with a lot of money, millions if not billions of dollars. And so the greater the responsibility, the more pressure there is to do what's right. And that pressure should be there. because you're dealing with more laws and more bylaws you know whether it's federal state county or local you know you have to be aware of those things and so you're getting back to these list of unions you know that's just one of those things that sometimes these sometimes these scandals happen but it's not it's not always directly with the union involved like for example with the teachers like yeah they had a little mini scandal with that but it technically wasn't their fault because they were being used by the higher ed people like colleges to try and get money 
from their fund or their or their bill or whatever they're trying to pass. So I felt so sorry for these public school teachers because you know we had all these hopes to get them better wages and then it just fell to pieces. So and people were talking about this even in waiting rooms. I, I remember I was in a doctor's office and this guy. Uh, this gentleman who was way older than me, probably by like thirty or forty years, you know, we just got to talking, and he asked me, you know, how are you? And um, and he asked me how old I was. I said, oh, I'm such and such age at the time. And he said, oh, he goes, you're around my daughter's age. You know, she, she's a teacher. He goes, have you heard about that bill that they're trying to pass, or we're going to be voting on? I said, yes. I said, I'm for it. He goes, well, I used to be for it. I said, really, what what makes you say used to be for you know when when your when your daughter is a teacher? He told me that she was a teacher, and he goes, well, here's the thing. He told me all this backstory that they they're not putting out there on the news, but the teachers slowly found out what was going on, and so they were trying to let people know, hey, don't vote for this. So really, the only recourse they had was to tell their friends, their family, and their neighbors because it's not like this was going to be. Much less allowed on TV to call these colleges out on what they were doing, and I just thought, "Whoa! I'm so sorry that your daughter is having to go through that because she does deserve better wages." Like, I mean, everybody knows that teachers' wages has not kept up with inflation, and that's why teachers have been leaving, gosh, for almost two decades to go to Texas to teach down there. So, and we were we're always having shortages of teachers all the time. It's in it's insane. I mean that should be a big hint that we need to increase the pay and we need to manage our tax dollars better with that. But you know I'm so thankful for that gentleman that you know talked to me about that because I mean it's like if you don't talk to your fellow citizen, if you don't talk to other people, then, then sometimes you're really not going to know what's really going on. Like like you can be all for this great cause and you know just really be gung ho about. It. You think you're doing the right thing, but then when you find out what's really behind the curtain. It changes things, and then you realize that somebody's trying to manipulate the taxpayer because they just want their money. They don't care to do the right thing. So that really was uh, dropping a bombshell on all this back then. Um, but you know, that's that's one of those things that, like, you know, when someone's throwing a hissy fit, sometimes there's a there's a reason for that hissy fit. It, there, there's a righteous anger to it because something really wrong or bad has happened, and it needs to be addressed. And sometimes you have to say it like it is. You know, you have to call a spade a spade. It, that's just the best thing to do to be honest and true to your word. And you know, I don't know if the teachers really did eventually get a pay raise or not, but because I'm not involved in the Department of Education and the school system, or, school systems or anything. But that's why whenever you know I see one of my friends that's a school teacher that I've gotten to know over the years. Oh, I always ask for how are things going because I want to know what's going on with the unions and with their pay, and to make sure that our tax dollars are being used appropriately to give them their wages, so that way they can feed themselves, their family, and have really good health care, that kind of thing. Because it is important. Like I don't think you have to be a Democrat or a crazy liberal nutbag to care about other people. I think just being human is the easiest way to care about other people because. You know, way before COVID nineteen hit, we were already in this together because we are a society. I mean, we are mankind. So it's just one of those ways of being there for each other, and just letting someone know, hey, I don't understand everything that's going on in your life. I just want you to know I'm there for you, and I understand what what is going on. I understand your problem, and you know, if there's anything I can do 
as long as as long as it's legal and moral, I will help you. Because you know sometimes people want to help, but they want to go about the wrong way, and then you've totally just blown that cause out of the water, and it hasn't really helped anybody. It's just made it worse. So that's one of those things you have to be careful about what you're helping and how you help. Because you have to practice due diligence and that and those kind of things because it helps protect you from scandal and it helps protect you from fraud and it ultimately protects you from going to jail because what's the point of going to jail because you can't really help people from jail that's the thing so you're just be mindful of those things kind of going off on a tangent there with that but there's some people that they get so irritated about stuff that they just kind of give themselves permission to do whatever they want whenever they want and that's not part of being a good citizen. that's that's not being smart. So I think if you're in a fight for something, it should be for something that you truly believe in and that you know their cause is good and true and it's on the up and up and that what you say and what you do is also on the up and up so that way you can actually help somebody and not bring them down or, you know, bring bad character flaws to the organization. You know, have everything be on the up and up and if anything, when you focus on the up and up and you really care about doing the right thing, it puts a spotlight on the people that are bad and it just that just naturally happens so then you don't have to name call you don't have to run these hideous mean ads on TV because their bad actions will always speak for themselves like it's basically a great way to win an argument when you're treating it with due diligence because what you're saying is good and true will always put a spotlight on what is bad already and show people hey this is what's really been going on and this is why we believe what we believe and why we're doing what we're doing because we want things to be truly better not worse. So, you know, side note with that, but you know, Oklahoma is not um free of scandals, I would say. When we have some, we have some. I mean, it's it's definitely a hoot. It's uh, definitely uh, worth writing about, that's for sure. Um but uh, anyway, the next major uh labor union is the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, and this one was founded in 1891. They have a little over 704,000 workers or uh, members, I should say. And the description is electrical manufacturing workers, electric utility workers. Awesome. I truly love this one because in Oklahoma, whenever we have severe weather, it directly affects our electricity. And I tell you what, the people that work, it's mostly men because it's a really strenuous heavy lifting kind of job, but You know, when they're out there repairing power lines, it is a very dangerous job, especially when we've just had a tornado and you have down power lines or if we've just had an ice storm. Those are just as dangerous as as a tornado and here's why. If you're not familiar with how ice works and how it can be really horrible for your town or city, when it happens is in Oklahoma when we have really bad ice, it's bad. And so what typically happens when it gets dangerous is when when we don't have enough snow and it doesn't melt or it doesn't stay soft it hardens into ice well that hardens our power lines whether it's electrical or phone whatever the case may be and ice is very heavy very heavy i mean it's like putting a brick on a clothesline but having those bricks go all up and down the clothesline and then those those power lines they dip down really low almost to the ground because they're so heavy with ice and sometimes they snap and break and other times the poles snap and break and then you have down power lines and some people have died they've been electrocuted it's been really horrible and graphic sometimes when that happens but you know when it comes to repairing that stuff 
you know, the people that are out there doing that kind of repair work, they are literally putting their life on the line for us to get electricity so that we're not freezing in our homes. And it's a very specific type of job and the work that they do and it's it is incredibly dangerous. So I always have the utmost respect for people that work um you know kind of on the utilities and electric stuff like that because it's the winter that is the toughest. I mean tornadoes are bad enough as it is. But I think the winter winter months with ice are probably some of the most dangerous times for our uh, utility workers because it's it's just the nature of the job. So I just think it's amazing that the work that they do and you know I hope and pray that they have really good benefits because they literally do so much for us that you know you know if if you take it for granted then you, then you're not really being appreciative of what someone else does on a daily basis to make sure that you have electricity and also uh this is a side note you know when you think of electrical workers you also need to realize that they also help our hospitals stay afloat whenever we have ice storms like this like most hospitals i don't know how it is in other places but where i'm from in oklahoma most of our hospitals are only built near a major power grid so that way they can have their own um generators they have their own backup generators because it requires a lot of electricity because you know let's say you've got people in the hospital like you know let's say you've got people there that have just had a heart transplant like the day before an ice storm happened well now there's a risk of losing electricity but they're still like on a ventilator or something well that's why hospitals are on they're built in certain areas and that's why you'll see signs at construction sites that will say what the zoning is because what the zoning is will tell you what permissions they have to build there and also what kind of permits they need in order to build their facility there whether it's a shopping mall or a hospital or you know a new power plant you know whatever the case may be because it's real specific when it comes to using energy like that and Oklahoma is very cautious and careful with things like that like i know some some other states view us as hicks and we do have some hicks for sure but you know there are some things that I feel like we are ahead of the game because we know what it's like to be without electricity. We know what it's like um to suffer hardships with that and we know how important it is to have our hospitals um connected to the safest power grid po- possible so that way they don't lose electricity and if they do lose electricity that they have really top-notch backup generators. So that's just another avenue of respect in regards to electrical utility workers and the work that they do because it is super important like definitely don't ever take those people for granted because it's a hard job and a dangerous job um so the next union is laborers international union of north america i don't know what that is but it was founded in 1903 they have a little over 669,000 uh, members oh it says miscellaneous construction workers and other trades okay that kind of makes sense The next one is International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers. That was started in 1888. They have a little over 653,000 members and the description is aircraft manufacturing workers, aircraft maintenance and repair workers. Awesome. Next one is Communication Workers of America. It was uh, started in, or founded in uh, 1947. They have a little over 545,000 members. 
and the description is telecommunication, customer service, broadcasting, public sector, healthcare and other workers. So that covers quite a bit. Then you have the United Brotherhood of Carpenters and Joiners of America that was founded in 1881. They have a little over 522,000 members. The next one, oh, sorry, the description is building industry carpenters. The next one is International Longshore and Warehouse Union. It was started in 1937. They have a little over 424,000 members. And the description is freight handlers at ports. Oh, that's important. You know, when you think about a port, I'm reminded of all these movies from the 1940s where, you know, if they're doing a screenshot of like the Gulf Coast or these ports that we had, you know, that's where a lot of our goods came in at that time because we didn't use a lot of freight on airliners yet in the 1940s. Not like we do now with FedEx and UPS and, and things of that nature. So most of the goods that we receive from overseas came via boat. And if it's coming via boat, then it's like got to be tugged in by like some of these tugboats. That's what you see. They're helping them come into shore, these these huge freight liners or whatever. They're helping them come into the port and to not run into other ships and things like that. So there are people that have to do that job so that way we get our goods because not everything can be flown in. it's just not always possible but anyway so super important with that but it just reminds me of, of these movies that you know it, they may not be particularly focusing on ports and workers not by any means but it's just really neat to see the camera shots of the industry at that time because i like to see movies where they filmed almost in the exact same place but you see decade after decade how the landscape and how the industry has changed in the united states And so, I mean, for those that think that the United States is going down the tubes and you know, just negative stuff, we're not. I mean, the economy goes up and down, up and down. That's how any economy is, and that, that that's actually quite healthy for an economy to do that because it tells you what the stability is of your economy and the stability of your companies that you have that are doing business in your country. But it's just one of those things that you know, the United States has never given up. We always push forward, and I think that's a great attitude to have that regardless of what occurs someone is going to invent something or want to do something great with their life not only for themselves but to help other people regardless of what political party they're in they know that they can help society and that that gives everybody a good feeling and you know I'm not a huge feelings kind of person but I think everybody in general likes to feel good about what they do and I think that's one reason why we have these labor unions because they want to do some good for society and for mankind So, but anyway, back to the list. The next union is International Union of Operating Engineers. Oh, that's interesting. I've never heard of that one. It was established in 1896. It has a little over 392,000 members and the description is operators of construction equipment, stationary engineers. The next one is called the United Association. I have never heard of that. Um, but it started in 1889. Excuse me, and there's a little over 324,000 members. The full name, oh this makes more sense. The full name of the union is United Association of Journeymen and Apprentices of the Plumbing, Pipelifting and Sprinkler Fitting Industry of the United States and Canada. Awesome. Now that makes more sense. The next one is the National Association of Letter Carriers. Now that one I've heard of. Um that one was started in 1889 and it has 292,000 members, a little over that amount. And the description is the United States Postal Service mail delivery workers in urban areas. The next one is American Federation of Government Employees. 
That one was started in 1932. It has a little over 289,000 members, and the description is miscellaneous U.S. federal government workers. The next one is American Postal Workers Union. That one was established in 1971. It has a little over 286,000 members, and the description is the United States Postal Service workers other than letter letter carriers. The next one is the International Association of Firefighters. Oh, that's awesome. That one was started in 1918. It has a little over 271,000 members, and the description is municipal firefighters and paramedics. Awesome. I didn't know it applied to paramedics as well. That is interesting. Okay, so the next one is called Unite Here. I haven't heard of this one, but it was started in 2004. Oh, it's a fairly decent one, or decent, recent, excuse me, recent one. <laughs> it has a little over 301,000 members, and the description is hotel, casino, restaurant, and commercial food service workers and garment manufacturer employees formally unite. Um, oh, here it is, Union of Needle Trades. Industrial and textile employees. Oh, okay. Now I understand. Okay, that that makes more sense. The next one is National Postal Mail Handlers Union. It doesn't give me a date, but there's a little over 269,000 members, and the description is a division of LIUNA, United States Postal Service workers other than letter carriers. The next one, I'm not sure how to pronounce this word, so I'm going to guess. Um. How do I pronounce this? Amalgamated Transit Union, and I apologize if I mispronounce that word. I have never seen that word before, but it was started in 1892. It has a little over 190,000 members, and the description is uh, mass transit service workers. The next one is American Nurses Association. Oh wow, this one started in 1897. I didn't know it went uh, that far back. That's cool, and they have a little over 152,000 members. Uh, the description is Professional Association of Registered Nurses. Awesome, amen. The next one is International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees. That one started in 1893. I didn't know it went back that far. That's really cool. And, and that one has a um, 150,000 members. The description is Entertainment, Theater, Motion Picture, and Television Trade Shows. The next one is Sheet Metal Workers International Association. That one started in 1888. It has a little over 148,000 members. The description is mainly construction industry sheet metal workers, also shipbuilders. Awesome, that's cool. The next one is International Union of Painters and Allied Trades. That one started in 1887. It has a little over 127,000 members. The description is construction industry painters, glaze, glaziers. I'm not sure what that is. Drywall finishers, sign and display workers. That's neat. The next one is International Association of Bridge, Structural, Ornamental, and Reinforcing Iron Workers. Oh, that's cool.、Uh, it was founded in 1896. Has a little over 125,000 members, and it doesn't give me a description. The next one is Transport Workers Union of America. Started in 1934. Oh, this is awesome. Okay, has a little over 125,000 members. And the description is mass transit, railroad, and airline workers. I love that because you know previously, you know, a little bit earlier in this podcast, I was talking about railroads and how more people took railroads and trolleys because they couldn't afford a car. Well, I'm guessing they established a union because they had more people working at those jobs and they wanted to make sure that they had a safe work environment because working on a railroad can be very dangerous, very much so, especially back then, because their railroads.、Um, 
they were not electric it was mostly they were mostly powered by coal so you had to have a huge fire operating um at the front of the train because it would pull all the weight not push it so you had a huge fire at the front of the of the train in like this huge steel chest looking thing and in order for the the uh the 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 train engine I'm probably using the wrong word in order for it to go faster they had to put put more coal in it and continue to shove that coal in there and then fan the flames to get there to be more heat because the heat conducted provide the power for the for the train so if that makes sense so um the next union is office and professional employees international union oh that's neat that was started in 1945 has a little over 105,000 workers and the description is white collar workers in the public and private sector that's cool the next one is national rural letter carriers association awesome that was started in 1903 and it has a little over 104,000 members and the description is united states postal service mail delivery workers in rural areas awesome so those are the major unions or the largest unions in the united states and i always find it fascinating the year that they're established or founded so i guess what i might do with some additional podcasts is really go into more detail with these labor unions and what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to line up interviews which with each individual one and see if i can invite them on my show ask them questions and if you have questions about unions labor unions and about a particular labor union email me call text me message me from my podcast website and let me know what you would like to ask i would absolutely love that because knowledge is power and that greatly helps you in your job and it helps you with your wages and your bargaining power in terms of the union so that's really good So but um anyway I will go ahead and end this podcast cuz we are almost at 50 minutes but it's a really good one I think like this is really fascinating to me to read this history because it is part of the history of the United States and workers are a part of the United States they are a part of the fabric of the United States they are part of the history of the United States and you know the history of the United States belongs to you and me and it belongs to our ancestors you know our our families that have lived before us and gone before us they they were part of this movement to help the workforce be a safe and good and kind place to work to earn a living because it doesn't have to be bad we can always strive for something good but until next time i pray that you are happy healthy whole that you're very blessed and prosperous so have a wonderful day a wonderful week and until next time have just a wonderful blessed day thank you so much bye bye
Thank you. 